and welcome to Kick Arts with Emma and Stephen, Auckland's comprehensive art show brought to you on Planet FM 104.6 and streaming live around the globe thanks to our podcasts, which you can download from planetaudio.org.nz. This show was pre-recorded during Auckland's Level 3 lockdown. Tonight we have a fabulous lineup of guests from all over the arts and entertainment industry, plus some new music, some book reviews, and Emma and I are also joined by our intern Patrick. To start our show, we thought we'd share something that arrived in our inbox this week. The APO, in partnership with Culture Lab, had planned an exhibition of young people's artwork as part of their Up Close and Vivaldi concert. They hope to display these artworks at future close events. In the meantime, head to YouTube and enjoy the music video and see the artwork firsthand. But for now, here is the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra with Vivaldi's Four Seasons.
was the Auckland Philharmonic Orchestra with Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And, and Emma, I had a good snoop at the YouTube videos with the kids' artwork. It's pretty cool. Um, I hope people go and check it out after the show. Fantastic. I'll have to have a look as well. So, another week's at home, working on Zoom? Yeah, and my co-bubble, we've been um, making face masks for fundraising. Uh-huh. So, um, it's amazing. It's, it's you know, when trends happen, like, what yep. was, I mean, obviously it was toilet paper, flour, rice, <laughs> and then um, elastic seems the oh. At the moment, everywhere's selling out of elastic because everyone's making masks and you want the four or the six millimetre mask elastic to go behind people's ears because if you get the eight mil, it pushes your ears forward. Brilliant. Better living, everybody. Brought to you by Emma Bishop. (laughs) But you're so right because we're going to be needing them for some time to come, so it'd be great to not be throwing them out every couple of hours. Oh, and someone put up a really horrible video of it looked like an Asian sweatshop of people mm. the hospital grade masks and they were sitting on concrete floors and hand folding stuff and I just thought I mean okay generally ours are from New Zealand and I, I believe a machine makes them but you know the fact of being able to have a mask that doesn't get thrown out after one I mean there must be a, a hell of a lot of surgical masks yeah. waste around the world from yeah, absolutely as well. no great idea and great fundraiser too i love that mm. oh well we've got lots of men's styles Stephen. you'll have to have a look and buy one brilliant look forward to placing my order now we've got a huge show tonight um once again people have just been so fantastic to chat to us on zoom during the week um first up We've got Robert Dill. So now we are joined by Robert Dill. Hi, Robert. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Robert, tell our listeners, how do you fit into the arts landscape of Aotearoa? I'm a performing arts teacher, currently based at Takapuna Grammar School on Auckland's North Shore. I'm in my fourth year here, where I teach uh, musical theatre and drama. And then on the flip side of that, I also teach clarinet and saxophone and conduct the school orchestra. And then under the umbrella of Robert Dill Performing, Arts. I do a lot of freelance stuff like playing in different shows. So I'm playing in Mary Poppins soon at the Civic for GNT Productions and I've played in lots of different shows around Auckland and yeah, I do lots of different um, creative projects when they present themselves. But primarily I'm based as a teacher in schools. You were as well meant to be playing for Solomeo, weren't you? And their orchestra. Yeah, it just got uh, postponed because of the second lockdown here in Auckland. And unfortunately I won't be able to play the newly scheduled date because Mary Poppins will have started by then. Yeah, that was a bit disappointing to miss out on that. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty big one, isn't it? That was going to be a great opportunity. But it's been that kind of a year. We had our school production at Takapuna Grammar in the US. It was in a school edition. But the students were really good about that. And um, they came up with lots of creative projects to still celebrate the opportunity. And so they, they came up with a, an online video of them singing One Day More that they shared publicly and that made the news. And so the kids have been really resilient. And um, so I'm just doing the same thing. What is it that makes you a go-to person for shows in and around Tamaki Makauro? I'm a wooden doubler. So I play the flute, clarinet and saxophone and all the different versions of those. And there's only a handful of us in 
in Auckland who who do that. And so a lot of musicals need woodwind doublers to cover parts in the orchestra. So we get asked quite a lot. So I try and help out where I can. It doesn't always work. Um, as a school teacher, we're also very busy putting on shows and class productions and things. But it adds a lot of versatility to my music playing um, to be able to play the different instruments. And also I teach saxophone and clarinet at Takapuna Grammar. And I also teach those instruments at Auckland Girls Grammar uh, once a week as well. Now, I've used the um, expert uh, investigation skills like New Zealand's media, and I've stalked your Facebook page. And I see some photos with some either Muppets or Sesame Street characters. I believe puppeteering is in your mix as well. Yeah, I love I love puppetry. It's something I've loved for a long time. Um, and as I was learning more about it, I had the opportunity in New York City to study with Jennifer Barnhart, who was in the original cast of Avenue Q on Broadway, and she's a Sesame Street uh, Muppeteer. And so we've spent a lot of time together, and she's taught me a lot of specialist skills and how to operate puppets and um, do puppetry. And she took me on a tour of uh, the Jim Henson Studios in New York. And I got to meet a lot of my um, Sesame Street idols. Wow. So that was, that was a fun experience, yeah. And do you still use your puppetry today? Uh, I've used it more. So over the last 12 years, I've kind of done half primary school teaching and half secondary school teaching as a performing arts teacher. I think I've done a lot more puppetry when I've worked in the, the primary sector. But um, every now and again... <laughs> I try and put puppetry into our senior productions and the students always laugh and say that's Mr. Dill because I love to include as much puppetry as I can. So we're doing a production of uh, Puffs at the moment, which is kind of a quirky off-Broadway version of the Harry Potter world and we've got lots of puppets in that. And you've got a favourite Sesame Street character as well. Yeah, I um, I got to meet uh, Abby Kadabi, who's the fairy. Um, and she did a special video for my kids, and so I always, I'm always a little bit of a fan of hers. But I also love uh, Big Bird and all of those characters because <laughs> I grew up, grew up watching them. And uh, yeah, it was quite emotional actually meeting them in real life and having a professional um, Muppeteer bring them to life for me. It was, yeah, very special. Now, if I go back to your school productions, I was talking with some musical directors today around 2021. And what's your thoughts with everything that's going on with COVID? Can you see the school still staging musicals next year or is it about booking in double time slots? Performance A, but everyone signs up for performance B slot a month later just in case. What's your thoughts on next year? I'm trying to be hopeful that uh, life will be a little bit more normal in 2021, but I actually think that sounds like a really sensible idea to have an option B back up. Uh, we... We were just in our um, final dress rehearsal last week for Ghost, the musical, with my senior musical theatre class. And then we got the Prime Minister's message that night about going into a second lockdown. And having already cancelled Les Mis earlier in the year, that was a bit of a blow for everyone. But everyone's been really good about it, and we're excited that as soon as school opens and we can go back on campus, we're ready with the show. So we're just going to put it back together, do our performances, and then we can move on to the next uh, group of assessments and performances at school. So I think actually, yeah, that sounds like a really good idea, having a, having a backup plan because it's very um, uncertain times at the moment. So Robert's been in America twice when I've been there for junior theatre. Um, Robert's definitely a fan of the junior theatre programs. Yeah, we're really excited that uh, Broadway Squad, my, my junior musical theatre group for kids in years 7, 8, 9 and 10, to have the Junior Theatre Festival here in New Zealand with... Um, 
New Zealand practitioners leading that at the Bruce Mason. So that'll be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm glad we've got that opportunity. Uh, we started the year strong. We, um, I took a group under the umbrella of Robert Dill Performing Arts and uh, Travel Gang Australia, and we went over to America, and we did the New York thing, and then we went down to Atlanta for the Junior Theatre Festival and then finished our time in L.A. And I was so... I keep... I keep thinking about that throughout the year, that something like that, who knows when that will be possible again. So I'm so glad that we could go this past January when we did and that all the lockdown didn't happen till a little bit after that. Very fortunate. Mm. And you've got a couple of your uh, ex-student and a current student about to fly away next week. Overseas? Yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah, Emma and Michael South two very talented students who have come through Takapuna Grammar School are off to London um, to the Bird College to do the, um, a degree in performing arts. So we're really excited for them. And um, Michael was one of our leads in Ghosts, so he won't actually get to perform with us. Uh-huh. But, he, but he performed the final dress rehearsal, which was really lovely. And we got some amazing photos, so I'm glad we could have that opportunity before he took off. That's a great opportunity for them, though, to head to London. Yeah. It'll be really exciting, and uh, they'll they'll be fantastic. And you've got some other amazing... I mean, Takapuna Grammar is clearly doing things right when it comes to performance. During our first lockdown this year, we interviewed Georgia and Josh about Seed Theatre Company. Yeah, yeah, Joshua and Georgia, I'm really proud of them. They were graduates last year, and they came through the musical theatre program and drama, and they were um, wonderful students in the performing arts department. And now, yeah, they're running Seed Theatre Company and they've got their first play, Sunrise, opening soon. We just got a confirmation today that everything's still on track for post-lockdown. And then they're doing another, um, their first musical at the end of the year with Bat Boy at the Pitt Street Theatre in, the, in Auckland City. So, yeah, they're, they're really, um, they've embraced what they've learned and what they love and they're just, they're going for it. It's awesome. And if you could pick one thing, one genre, one mix of, of everything from music music to theatre to teaching to acting to playing what's your favorite pick what's the thing that robert sits down at the end of the night and goes that was awesome and you're going to try and tell me the whole lot but i'm not going to accept that (laughs) (laughs) i think maybe it's twofold like primarily i consider myself a teacher and that's what i'm most passionate about because i i find a lot of joy in um seeing my students flourish and really fall in love with the performing arts and then personally for me and it fills me creatively as uh, making music myself on clarinet, flute, saxophone. I love to play in a show and hear how my part um, mixes with the orchestra to support what's happening on stage. So, yeah, it would kind of be those two things, teaching and playing my own music. I'll let you have that answer. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so for people that don't know you, Robert, you've also got, apart from Muppets and Sesame Street, you have an absolute love of Disney programming as well, don't you? I do. I'm a big Disney nerd and I always have been since I was a little boy. I used to have the full like VHS collection of uh, Disney movies and every year that they came out, I'd I'd get the new one. And so over over my teaching career, I've done a lot of Disney shows with my students because I love it. We've done, we did The Little Mermaid last year at the Bruce Mason on big scale and then I've done junior, junior production of High School Musical and kids productions of The Jungle Book and and other Disney ones and Winnie the Pooh kids and I've taught them in Shanghai in China and in Hong Kong in a summer school and in Wellington and here in Auckland 
and and when I taught in Papa Toy Toy. So yeah, I've I've tried to share my love of being a Disney nerd far and wide. <laughs> and and like Robert's office and everything. There's just there's Disney for Africa. There's there's toys and pictures and it's every kid's little dream cabin. I would love to work in your office because it's just pristine. <laughs> I, I do like to have an inspiring space to, to work on when I'm marking or <laughs> doing those things. You just mentioned that you had taught in China. Tell yes. us, was because um, you were there, was it three or four years in the end? Yeah, we had four years in China, two years in Beijing and two years in Shanghai. And then from there, I also did a summer program um, teaching with a colleague in Hong Kong. And Emma, you came over and visited me in Beijing and we rode on the back of a motorcycle together and <laughs> nearly died in Beijing traffic. <laughs> it was definitely an experience. <laughs> yes, never to be forgotten. Um, but yeah, that was amazing because um, it's such a it's such a global experience over there. Um, you know, not not speaking the language and, and then learning enough of the language to get around and order in restaurants and things like that. And then teaching in international schools uh, with kids from all over the world was really amazing. And it, um, it helped me, I think, improve the work that I do as a teacher and to um, have a, a wider global perspective. And I, I really enjoyed our time there. It was a bit of an adventure. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm always glad that we did that. We made the effort to have that adventure. And now it's nice to feel like we're home and settled um, back here in Auckland. And, and I look back on those times fondly. So that segues really nicely into our final question. If, if you know our show, you know this question. And that is if you could go back in time and talk to your 16-year-old self or perhaps your own students that you're teaching, what's the biggest piece of advice you would tell your 16-year-old self, knowing what you know now? It would have to be to follow your dreams because even even if they don't work out exactly how you want them to at 16, um, you never know what adventures are possible and are awaiting you. At 16, for myself at Long Bay College, I, I wanted to be you know, a Broadway star and be on the stage and I thought, oh, I'd never want to like direct a show or do things behind the scenes. That was like that was my my vision back then. But then, as soon as I I tried out things like music directing and directing other people, and then when I got into teaching, I fell in love with it so much, and I couldn't actually imagine anything else. And that all happened because I wanted to follow my passion in the arts, and I stuck with it, even though you never know where your career is going to end up in the arts, but there are so many different opportunities that present themselves. And so I think do what you love, follow that first, and then things will work out for the best. So to finish, Robert, it's shameless plug time. Again, another staple of our program. So yes. how do people find out more about what you are doing and where do people find you? Yeah, so I have a Facebook page, uh, Robert Dill Performing Arts, and that's kind of an online CV and resume um, if people want to get in contact with me for uh, teaching or workshop opportunities. But it's also just a great way to, to find out what's happening in uh, my community and at Takapuna Grammar School. And, yeah, I also have my contact email as robertdillpa, as in robertdillperformingarts at gmail.com. Well, thanks so much, Robert, for coming and sharing with our listeners a little bit about you. Thank you. Thank you, Emma, and thank you, Stephen, for having me. I've really appreciated this. It's been very nice. Thanks, Robert. It's awesome. And good luck with Mary Poppins. Thank you. I picked up your shirts this morning. I don't know 
cannot sit to say hello I started to cry I started to cry every place we
I love that song from Ghost, and it was sad to hear that Roberts had so many cancellations, but man, he's a busy, busy person. And he contacted me actually after the interview and said that he suddenly realised that the puppet we were talking about was Julia. So Julia ah. is a Sesame Street puppet who has autism. There we go. Just thought I'd mention that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolute great guy. And um, fingers crossed at least Mary Poppins coming up, he gets, gets to play that in October at the Civic. Mm, definitely. So lockdown's a great time to read some books. So this week we caught up with our dear friend Shazza for her book review. Hi, Sharon. Thanks for joining us via Zoom for Kick Arts this week. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. And you've been busy reading a few books, and I guess lockdown helps. So this is a good chance for people to have a listen and see if something um, new takes their fancy. And you've been reading The Air That We Breathe and The Telling Time. So I guess let's start with The Air That We Breathe. Tell us all about it. What what was the, the plot line in this one? Well, I was really lucky to be, uh, when you interviewed Cara Douglas, the uh, author of the book, um, so I kind of got a bit of an idea of what the book was going to be about uh, from that interview. Um, it was about 1961, um, a young couple in Vasto in Italy travelled to Wittenoom, which was one of Australia's worst industrial disasters, basically, um, they arrived in 1961 and it was closed in 1966. Um, unfortunately, um, they had a daughter who, uh, yeah, who, who goes through the trauma with her parents. So it's the story of them immigrating, the Australian government, basically. Obviously, it's a true story. Uh, Cara's written this because her birth father, um, John actually died of asbestos. I'm, I'm not going to pronounce that because I can't pronounce that, the, the disease. Um, and so she never actually got to meet him, um, and he died at 58. So it was a great book. I liked her, her style of writing. Um, she kept me captivated. Um, that, that's yeah, credit because from memory, it was her very first time writing a book too. It was. She said she'd taken 10 years to write it. Um, and to do all of the justice, I think, to the people that were the immigrants and that the, you know, the Australian government um, let this disaster kind of happen. I mean, they closed it in 1966 due to being unprofitable and also to the concerns of, of the growing health um, issues. So it wasn't just the fact that they were concerned about asbestos, it was the fact that basically there was, you know, um, it was unprofitable. Wow. Uh, yeah. And who, who's this going to appeal to, do you think? Well, you know, I'm like 50s, I would have thought, and having a father who was an immigrant, um, I think it would appeal to a more mature audience, I think, who are more aware of asbestos and um, the journeys of families that, that were brought out here as immigrants. But I also think that a lot of younger people um, who are aware of asbestos these days I mean, let's face it, you can't lift up your lino in your property um, if it's got asbestos. So it's impacting a lot more people now. I would find it a really good read. Okay, cool. I'd give it an eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. That's a big yep. score from Sharon. Yeah, really now, enjoyed it. The Telling Time. Remind me who wrote The Telling Time? 
Uh, PJ Mackay. That's right. What's so, this one about? Well, again, it appealed to me. Um, it was a captivating debut novel of impossible love and soul-destroying secrets. So right up there for a girl. It was based on a, a young girl, 1958, who had a bit of a secret. She came from a tiny village, fishing village in Yugoslavia, and she got sent out uh, to New Zealand to Henderson uh, to be a housekeeper for a, a young Yugoslavian chap who was a bit unfortunate. He'd married a New Zealand girl and uh, she turned out to be an alcoholic. So his trust in woman was zero and, yeah, they eventually fall in love and have a child. The story then moves on to their daughter who then goes back to um, Yugoslavia where the uh, civil unrest was brewing and discovers about her fa- her mother's family, really, and the secrets that were within the story. Ooh. Good read. I liked it. Okay. And, and appeal? Um, again, a very similar immigrant to New Zealand. So very similar sort of uh, time frame. Both books, both quite different uh, writers. Um, appealing probably to uh, my age group and possibly a little bit older again. Um, although it then goes to, you know, a young girl travelling the world, uh, going off on a big OE. She was in her early 20s when she went, um, and just the adventures that were, were had with young people travelling. Um, I'd say it's quite varied, 30 to, yeah, 60, 70. I uh, would probably really enjoy it. Okay. I enjoyed and it. As what I was say, your rating? Well, to be honest, I'm up there as well. I, I'd give it a good eight. Actually, okay. I, yeah, both were quite compelling stories uh, in themselves, but I could probably relate to both of them with, as I say, uh, immigrant parents and yeah, that journey of the struggle that they had coming to New Zealand. So, so love it. For our listeners that are hearing you review for the first time, Sharon, can you kind of give us a, on your scale of one to ten, what, what, how would you describe a 10 versus a 5 versus a 2? Oh, put me on the spot, Emma. A 2, um, she throws the book back at us. <laughs> so that's, well, a 2, I, yeah, I've got to admit, I, um, a 2, I actually tried to ask other people to read on my behalf and give me some idea. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm probably a little bit of a romantic. I like a good romance. I like a really good thriller. Something that's, that's gripping that I can kind of get to grips with who everybody is. Um, some, and I haven't uh, um, read very many for um, your program. Prior to that, I would have, you know, I would read, I don't know, two to three books maybe every couple of weeks. Um, a lot of, like I say, thrillers. I'm, I'm not particularly great with true stories, Um I don't know why, probably never read them, to be honest. Um, my mother, she reads at least, you know, 10 books a week. So we've come from a very strong um, book family. Um, these books were, as I say, I could relate to them. Uh, they flowed really easy, so I didn't have to concentrate. With a busy job, you know, I want to be able to pick a book up that I can just, yeah, get pick up and get straight into. And, yeah, it's not going to take a lot of... Oh, now, who's that? Where did they fit into yeah, it? And what's yeah. going to happen there? 
Yeah. Just pick it up and carry it on. That's what yeah, I mean. like, like I just want to escape into a book. I don't want to do anything else. I just want to escape and have it, a, an easy read. So, so that would be what would get an like when we're up in the seven, eight, nine. It's something that was easy for you. It was didn't take you know you were able to sit there and enjoy it and be entertained. Absolutely, yep. Hit it right on the head. Cool. Fantastic. Well, thanks for chatting with us tonight, Sharon. And The Air That We Breathe by Cara Douglas and The Telling Time by PJ McKay is available where all good books are sold and also available online. Thanks to our authors for having the courage to send them in to be reviewed. And if you've written a book recently you'd love us to promote on Kick Arts and send Sharon's way for a read, email us at kickarts1 at gmail. Dot com, And we look forward to catching up with you in a few weeks' time, Sharon, with the next round of books. Take care. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Sharon. And we're now joined by Imposter Syndrome, a fantastic Kiwi band. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. <laughs> we are doing well. Thanks for joining us via Zoom for this um, special Kick Arts broadcast. So tell us all about imposter syndrome. When did the band start? Who's it made up of? Give us the background and then we'll talk about what you're up to at the moment. We've been, yeah, okay, we've been playing music actually since we were we've been playing music together since we were in high school, on and off, sort of always more for fun. But we kept doing it and we just kept doing it. And you know, I studied music and I'm a I, I teach music for a living and Ryan um, was doing audio engineering. We were doing similar songs to what we're doing now about ten years ago. Uh we go in while you're at Mains Ryan and yes. just in there till, you know, the wee hours of the morning recording, 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 just learning how to do it all. It was called Wasted None, <laughs> like, you know, we need, you know, and it was just this industrial prog rock kind of experiment that we loved and we kept playing the songs and so decided that we needed to eventually do something properly with it. Imposter Syndrome was a name that just really rung. Really liked it and um, decided to record these songs, you know, ourselves and do it with the knowledge that we kept learning and do now and it's you know ryan you know obviously you'll be able to speak for yourself but ryan's yeah. always written poetry since we we're at high school yeah and for a very long time <laughs> i never really thought of um putting it to music until i really met shannon and we started hanging out um in high school well especially at mains was probably the main driving force of it because i was in a musical environment and he, he had been doing it a lot, a lot more than I had, but then we had the tools there in front of us, and so we just went with it. That's cool. It's nice to hear someone still writing poetry these days. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's fantastic, let alone turning it into music. Yeah. So, so the syndrome, just the two of you? Uh, from a writing perspective, it's sort of us. I, I sort of take care of the music side, and Ryan will take care of the lyric and vocal melodies and things like that. Um, but we've also got one of our, another really close friend of ours, Scott uh, Nicholson, who plays drums for us um he's he's night shift and things like that so it kind of couldn't didn't quite work out with the state but yeah we would love him to come along yeah he looks after the drum duties for us and uh also plays in other kind of you know really cool bands as well so real creative musician too fantastic shannon you said that you're a music teacher so are you an itinerant teacher or are you uh i'm actually the head of department of um college so 
yeah. I get to kind of create and run a really fun music department. Um, a colleague of mine, Nick, who plays in a big Auckland band called States as well. So kids sort of surrounded by ridiculously passionate, <laughs> you know, teachers. And we sort of got a little recording studio there as well. And it's really driven by songwriting and performance, uh, sort awesome. of contemporary focus rather than, you know, just so tell us about the songs you're releasing at the moment. Yeah, so we just released The Shrink. Um, was that last week? Week before? Two weeks today. Two weeks ago. Two weeks today, yeah. And yeah, that's sort of like most personal song that we've released today. We recorded that during lockdown. Well, Shannon recorded most of it, sent it to me during lockdown, and I recorded the vocals on that. I think he was running around the night before lockdown um, trying to get some <laughs> piano written for us on, on the school um, piano. <laughs> Yeah, the night before we went into level four. So when we had those two days before we jumped in, I said we finished about 3.30. I mean, I've got till five. And that's a big drive from Birkenhead back to Mangere Bridge, where I live. So I said, I've got myself an hour. And I just threw some mics on this piano in my room, just an upright piano. And just recorded as because the song was written on piano and just recorded as much as I could. Uh, and then during lockdown, kind of like figuring out what I'd done and, piece it all together and we just grew the song musically from there. Ryan and I have this thing that seems to get more and more sort of refined. Um, I'll often have a piece of music and he would have written some prose or some wording, poetry. And when we come together, they almost fit almost identically from start to finish. And it's almost, you know, that kind of parallel, I guess, sort of, yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. We, we're kind of coming from the same place, the same stories. And uh, this was no different. Ryan yeah. instantly had something... Yeah, I literally have books and books and books of lyrics lying around just waiting for the song to come along for, the, for them to engage, sort of thing. Yeah. So where does, um, Ryan, where does your inspiration for your words come from? Um, it's very situational, like the shrink especially. I was like, I was quite, like, because I was in lockdown, and I was quite upset with the sort of, the misinformation and stuff that's going around these days, which is, which I think is quite dangerous that people are spreading and it's just sort of sort of a lament on that <laughs> even more appropriate at the moment then yeah yeah <laughs> and what's the long-term goals where are you guys heading i know for a fact we made a conscious decision to not think about albums and things like that um the fact that you know that can take two years you put you're putting music together and then the process of writing recording mixing coming up with a release strategy, all of that. And I was kind of at this, I was sick of not releasing music. Um, I've been in groups in that before, you know, and we and it just hasn't sort of come to light. So just decided, screw it. We're going to do singles just and focus on each single as its own little release and not just a single for an album, but actually something, you know, in and of itself. Um, nice. And, yeah, and so during that two-year period of build-up to an album, Instead of that, you actually get to kind of do a build-up, you know, have the release, come out of that, you know, still promoting it, working on the next one, and then by the time that's sort of come to its end, you're ready for the next one. And it just keeps the drive going. And that, you know, from a marketing perspective, that really seems to kind of lock in with what's in, what happens a lot today, you know, content, content. Um, we're not releasing like every week, but that's allowing us to make and release music because, you know, we're both very busy with families and things like that too. So it just really fits. So I think moving forward, we're probably just going to stick with that idea of, each single will be its own sort of little project and, you know, you can kind of piece together and then hopefully people will 
listen to the songs in certain orders and they can tell they're a bigger arc because, you know, yeah. they're in the same place. Yeah, and you've obviously going. got a really good combination happening here where somebody's writing, someone's doing the music, you've got, you've got that separation. That's quite hard to find, you know, yeah. that perfect match. So what's what keeps that ticking, I guess, is where I'm interested. Well, we've been jamming together since we were about, what, 15, 16 years old, yeah, I think. Yeah, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, we were in a rock quest band. I played bass for Shannon's band. But I, I, I wasn't even thinking about singing at this point. And so we've always had that musical connection. It's just carried on through the years, and we just keep working on it. Yeah, we, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny to say, but we still get really excited. You know, when we come together and I've got this idea and Ryan's got this thing and it com- comes together, you know, it's not really sitting there going, oh, cool, man. It's like, man, this is awesome. You know, we get really excited. We record it on a phone, listen back the next day, and it's pretty funny, you know, but we just, we get into it. We're still really passionate and excited about it, and I think that, that really helps to keep driving it. But my God, just like Ryan's got books and books of words, I've got uh, songs back catalogued, you know, I've got enough to release. (laughs) So what advice do you give your students that you teach? If they're interested in following a career in music, what advice do you give them? Uh, Two things. One, intention. Um, Everything you do should have intent. You know, I think you look at any great people in the arts, whether it's, you know, musicians or artists or chefs or anything, it's it's about what they take away until you can't take any more away rather than how much you can put on. And just that idea of everything you do, you know, if you add something or take something away, have the intention of it, you know, that real attention to focus um, and detail. But that one, and I also say, you know, it's not the best musician that gets the gigs. It's the one who responds within the hour, the one who's got the transport, the gear, the time, you know, all of that, all of that stuff about being, you know, your own personal business. So we sort of set them up to kind of go, you know, NCA is a great resource in that in that sense because you can say, what do you want to achieve? Do you want to make an EP, perform at RockQuest and release some stuff on Spotify? And you can actually cater an entire year of NCA credits to doing that. So they have a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's about making sure they get to the gig and they get to the recording and they're practised, you know, just like real life, really. Yeah. And Ryan, can you let us in on a secret? What's what's the next song going to be about? Um, the, the next song is, it's sort of a continuation from a song that we wrote when we were in um, Wasted None together, which is um, called Ashes. And it was sort of uh, an end to something. And the next song is sort of a beginning of something and a sort of growing into your own skin and realising what you can and cannot do as sort of like an older reflection on the past song. Sounds good. Sounds good. (laughs) And who comes up with the ideas when you're releasing these EPs? Who comes, I'm assuming there's music videos that come with them? Yes, um, Hole in Your Head has a music video, one of our, um, was that a second single? Yeah, yeah. And um, Shannon did all that. We recorded on phones and stuff, sent it to each other, and he cut it all up, and it it came out quite good, I think. The um the first song we released, we had a video from our friend of mine, uh, Rangi Tuhuya Hollis. He's a Māori artist, um, does amazing digital work. Um, and so I did a few shows with him doing some sound and whatnot. And in turn, he said, when you release your single, finally I'll make a video for you. So we had this great animated video. Um, and the second single, Hole in Your Head, yeah, we just sort of threw things together and created a very choppy sort of video that... There was, in the drama department, an old 
uh, at my work a phone booth. And so I just set myself up stuck in the phone booth, almost like a zombie apocalypse. Um, one tape, just kind of had fun and went, right, now we've got to do something with this. Um, just that idea of keep moving forward, just make the make use of everything available to you, you know. Got ideas and, uh, for the... Yeah for the current video uh, or the current single, The Shrink. Yep. Um, it's going to take a bit of time. Definitely need to get out of lockdown before we can do that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. so. Well, we're looking forward to playing your single at the end of this interview and having our listeners here and, of course, find out more about imposter syndrome. Maybe once we're out of lockdown, you guys can come in and be part of our studio show. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, um, yeah, keep us in the loop. We'd love to continue to support you and um, play your music now. We've met you, so don't hesitate to keep us posted. And when that music video comes out, let us know so we can pop that up on social media as well. And we need to finish the interview with a shameless plug. So how do our listeners follow you, find you? Download your music. Well, for that one, we've got a Bandcamp page. So... It's there. It's available for streaming or for purchasing, which is really, really helpful for us. Um, but we're also on Spotify. Uh, we're on YouTube with our videos and also just sort of if you created a little playlist called In the Wings, which is I'm sort of feeling inspired and do a little guitar jam or whatever, throw it up there. Um, SoundCloud, Apple, so we're on all the... You know, Literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it covered, but, but Bandcamp definitely best for our artists. Yeah. yeah. And, and social media, Instagram, imposter syndrome? That's the one. Where it's Facebook slash imposter syndrome and um, Instagram's imposter syndrome music. Fantastic. Well, we'll be sharing that with our listeners as well, of course. So thank you, Thanks. guys. Thanks, guys. The rest of your night. Thank you.
And it was imposter syndrome with The Shrink. Really good number. Great guys to chat to too, Emma. Yeah, really cool when you, again, though, brings back to home the fact that a lot of our arts people in the world have day jobs. Um, yeah. That he's a school teacher and imparting that knowledge into future performers. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of schools and teachers, what's um, the update on Chef? Yeah, we're still working hard. Um, at the time that this is recorded, we haven't quite locked things in. Unfortunately, the venue we were using isn't available for us to sort of push out the season. So we've been contacting quite a few venues in Auckland looking for other alternatives. And can I say, Emma, the arts community is amazing. These venues have gone out of their way to try and move things, juggle things, match budgets, and just every single person has come back and said, if we can help, we will. And I, it was just so nice. And then we're talking, you know, super professional venues coming back going, let us do our best to help you. So, yeah, a big shout out to our venues that are really feeling this year as well, not only with cancellations, but then trying to juggle and fit everybody in. Really appreciate it. I suppose it's like being stage crew, you know, stage crew, how you sit there doing not much during a show and then suddenly you have a massive big scene change and you run around and then you, while the scene's on, you kind of chill back again. It yeah. might be a little bit like that for venues, right? Because suddenly they've got, everything's been cancelled and there's nothing and then suddenly we go back to level one and everyone wants a spot. Really interesting. Great to see. So fingers crossed next week I'll be able to give you a bit more of a firm update. Cool. Now speaking of wonderful venues, Auckland Live was one that gave us some some real good help over the last week and um, this week we caught up with Janelle from Auckland Live. Hi Janelle. Kia ora. Thank you so much for having me. So what's been happening or what is happening at Auckland Live? Well, it's been a bit of a strange time obviously for everyone in Tamaki but we're really excited in particular that in our families and young people space we've been able to hold on to a few of our pick and mix events. So that's a free series of performances and workshops that are specifically targeted at Tamariki aged 3 to 12 years and it's a really relaxed environment. We encourage family to come along and kind of slip in and out as they need to so that, you know, if you've got babies or wild toddlers, it's it's a space where people can come and go. It's also, it's really great because it's kind of a space that fosters intergenerational participation for families. So grandparents and grandkids can participate together in the workshop. So yeah, we're really excited that we've got three of those. We would normally do 10 across a year, but of course COVID had other plans. So we've got three events coming up. The first one is in September and that's Motuhake by Jandal J and the Funky Friends. So Jandal J are an amazing, they're a pick and mix favourite actually. It's led by Justin Hayu and they're a physical theatre group that enjoy kind of play, mime, dance, song and real silly antics. So the no. work that they're yeah, the work that they're presenting is about a young boy who's exploring in his grandfather's attic and along the way he discovers some marionettes which become his friends. And the heart of that is kind of, it's all about finding your own talent and understanding that we all have our own unique gifts to bring together, which is kind of, for those makers, is kind of the co-papa of what they're about as well. So that's what we've got first up. And then we've got a couple of events, uh, a couple of other pick and mix events following that. I can talk you through the, yeah, the program. Yeah, where do these pick and mix events take place? Each one of these weekends happens 
at the Auckland Town Hall on the Saturday and then at the Bruce Mason Centre on the Sunday. So Motuhake will be 5 and 6 September and then we have an event in October which is um, the New Zealand Dance Company presenting Matariki for Tamariki and then in November Monarch by Co-Physical Theatre Company. Oh fantastic, that's Beth Kays isn't it? It is Beth Kays, yeah. So that's a brand new work that Beth's created. She's actually done... She took it out on tour earlier in the year, which um, had to pause, obviously. But it's all about kind of the discovery of humans' impact on butterflies and the butterflies' impact on humans. So it's kind of, yeah, it centres around a greedy city planner who announces that has plans to build a motorway that will essentially destroy Leah's grandmother's research centre as well as an entire ecosystem of flora and fauna. So Leah then sets about to protect her grandmother with the help of some really awesome characters. So Carlo the caterpillar and Nina the butterfly come along and together they kind of realise the importance of butterflies and their role in the environment and it's kind of there's lots of scientific facts wrapped up in a a package that's easy enough for tamariki to understand of that age group so that one's happening in november and then matariki for tamariki is the new zealand dance company the prolific New Zealand dance company. So that one is in October and it's kind of, it's probably the largest theatrical production kind of moment of the Pick and Mix program. Usually they're quite kind of lo-fi, but this will be full light sound costume. And that's a work that was created by choreographer Sean McDonald of the, who's worked prolifically over his career and a lot also with the New Zealand dance company. And obviously it's about Matariki, but it's really, it's, it doesn't need to be seen in that time to be celebrated. So it's really about the ritual and renewal that Matariki speaks to. So I guess in the context of where it sits in October, we can celebrate marking the end of winter and kind of spring emerging. Yeah. It's a really beautiful work that kind of, speaks the to the the players kind of journey through Aotearoa and the landscape and discover this seasonal change and along the way the kind of wairua of the fetu which are the nine stars of Matariki inhabits each of these dancers on their journey so it's really powerful it's full of um, karakia and waiata and speaks to Sean and the performers whakapapa and in terms of their own lineage and yeah all about kind of planting the seeds of new beginnings which sounds really appealing to me at this moment in time (laughs) that we focus on renewal and new beginnings so yeah that's our program for 2020 that we've managed to salvage. Fantastic and for those listeners that don't know what um, venues are encapsulated by Auckland Live? So Auckland Live is custodians of Altair Centre, the Auckland Town Hall, the Bruce Mason Centre, the Mighty Civic, and we also look after Shed 10 and Queen's Wharf down on the waterfront. And then we are part of Regional Facilities Auckland, so together Auckland Live and Conventions sits in that umbrella with the zoo, the gallery and stadiums and, and maritime. And are you the only person at Auckland Live that gets to have on their business card, I'm in charge of pick and mix? <laughs> Wouldn't that be um, just such a cool title? Head I'm the pick and mix box. <laughs> yeah. So what's yes. your role there at Auckland Live? So I'm a programmer. Pick and Mix is part of our family's portfolio, which I look after. And then I also look after some other kind of keystone events for us, including the cabaret season. And my colleague Anna's and I work together on our theatre programming and special events like Auckland Pride and Summer in the Square, all of those kind of moments that Auckland Live 
really invests in to present and kind of give back to the city, give these kind of free subsidised moments to the city to come together and enjoy live art. I mean, I really loved, you know, Auckland Live, of course, you had started your free and your new beautiful space, you know, those free lunchtime concerts that you were having once a week. And there was, you know, it was getting really exciting. So um, down's been a bit frustrating, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has been challenging for everyone, particularly for our industry. And yeah, our hearts kind of go out to all of our colleagues who are struggling to open the doors of venues right now. I think the future's, you know, really uncertain. But, but yeah, we're holding on as much as we can to what we can. Um, and, yeah, these kinds of moments are just really great opportunities because programs like this are free. So, you know, mm. they're, they're broadly accessible to Aucklanders. So as much as we can, we're just going to keep trying to invest back into the yeah. city. And, I mean, the arts is so important for our own mental health, but I also love the fact that you can bring your kids to some of these events, um, and that's really important too at this time where they've spent a lot of time inside. Um, Some, of course, absolutely loving it because mum, dad, partners are around, but for others too, they're also trying to juggle work at home, and it's a bit stressful. So to get them out to some really cool events is just a great way to end lockdown and something to look forward to. Absolutely, yeah. I've got lots of colleagues with um, their kids appearing in the background of Zoom, just like the infamous BBC reporter. Yeah, it'll be really lovely to be able to be back in that space again. And yeah, we hope that those free lunchtime concerts are able to continue as well post-lockdown. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Janelle, for coming along and telling us about what's happening in the family's portfolio. And um, we look forward to, as always, promoting what's happening at Auckland Live via our bulletins and social media. And we will remind people when those pick and mixes are on as they're about to be on. That is amazing. We really appreciate your support. Thank you. And obviously, you can check out all of the details on our website, aucklandlive.co.nz. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you there. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Zealand band Outside In, who you may remember joined us last lockdown. They came online. Yeah. 
um, and talked about their EP release. So Mushroom is obviously out as a song already, but their music video for that is being launched on the 28th. So keep an eye out on our socials for Mushroom's video release. Absolutely. And some other news bulletins, Auckland Art Gallery has launched an update for their virtual tour platform that includes a fully translated Te Reo Māori experience and audio tours. The virtual tour of their major exhibition, Enchanted Worlds, has been updated to now include audio tours and a Te Reo Māori experience. This is available at virtual.aucklandartgallery.com. The immersive, interactive online experience means the exhibition, which was forced to close five days early as part of Aotearoa's New Zealand response to COVID-19, will continue to be accessible to audiences right around the country and beyond. And as Tam- Tamaki Makoto faces COVID-19 surge, Tupo Theta have responded with a reframing of their annual Kohanga Festival. While they had planned to be able to bring the community together in person, the reimagined free digital version brings new Māori storytelling directly into the whare around Aotearoa and indeed the world from September the 2nd, oh my birthday, till the 27th of September. For those who purchased tickets to the previous Kahanga 2020 events, the relevant ticketing agents will be in touch regarding refunds. For those who are able, Tipo would greatly appreciate donating the costs of the ticket to help support the whanau through uncharted waters. Check out tipotheatre.nz. Now, we've had Patrick in the studio the last few weeks as an intern learning all about radio and broadcasting. But, of course, we're in lockdown, so so is he. But that was no excuse. He also had to come up with an interview, and he checked out Zane Nathan. So, thank you, Emma and Stephen. I am now joined here with um, Zane Nathan, a performer, both musical theatre and singer-songwriter. Um, so, Zane, what got you into the arts originally? Oh, that's a big question, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> I think I probably started around two years old. Um, my my dad was uh, was a professional musician back in Malaysia, so he he was hired constantly. And one night when when he was performing on stage, I I came along. I I came along. When I was two years old, and I hopped onto the stage and I grabbed the mic behind his back and I just started to sing. So uh, <laughs> that's the origin story for me, and um, haven't stopped since. I've always loved the spotlight, and I have been hogging it ever since. <laughs> that's such a cute story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you obviously do musical theatre, as I would know, because mm-hmm. we've done a few shows together now. Yes. Um, so did you start with musical theatre, or was it more your singing songwriting that started you um yeah i wrote my first song when i was about six years old i i think it was called rosa rose it was about some girl that i had a crush on in primary school <laughs> i love that <laughs> um so it, it, it started there but then i kind of left it and um and i moved to new zealand and that's when i really started into musical theater as kind of like the lonely kid that didn't really know what to do with himself it's very high school musical like uh, the drama teacher, John Hellier, approached me and um, he, he got me to do my first musical in year eight. I think I was about 12 years old. Um, and that was Ragtime. And then I just kept going from there from 2011 all the way till now. 
So what's your most memorable musical theatre experience there or like role? Oh, most memorable musical theatre role. Uh, definitely the poster that oh, you, you can't see that, but um, it's <laughs> um, Miss Saigon as the engineer. That's definitely the favourite one. But um, yeah, that was back in 2016. Oh, cool, cool. So you said your first song was when you started writing at the age of six. Yeah. But more recently, you've been publishing these songs that you've been writing. Yeah. So can you talk me through the experience and process of getting your um, record label and then releasing your music and eventually the EP, which I believe is on its way? Yeah, it is on the way. Um, well, I mean, there's there's a few plans before that. But, um, I mean, really... The, the story that I usually go with is that it started in a garage at about three in the morning in 2018. Uh, and it was just me and and my friend and now music partner, Finn McDonnell. Uh, we got together one night and we basically were going through our own personal issues at that point with a couple lady friends of ours. And uh, we, we, uh, we started to write a song, I believe it was called, I just know. And it was one half of it was about a love song. And the other half was about just them breaking us to pieces. Uh, but, but it was basically, it started off from there and um, we just kept writing. And uh, usually the, the way we do things is that I would write my lyrics as a poem and I would, um, I'd work on that myself, and then Finn would go and he'd write uh, a melody, a, a, sorry, a, a tune. And from there, we'd, we'd basically get together, and then he will play the melody uh, on his piano, and I'll just start singing with my lyrics, whatever tune pops into my head at that point. Um, I, I think End of Days, the, the, the first song that I put out, that was... Uh, a very dark song, but it happened to be composed on my dad's 50th, uh, <laughs> which was quite weird. Um, we were practicing a jazz duo kind of thing, and uh, Finn started playing the melody, just the heck of it. And um, I just started to sing next next to him, and um, he was shocked, to say the least, because it was so dark, and A, it was the first time we ever did something like that, to that extent of just blurting it out, no plans, nothing. Uh, even my friend uh, Alyssa, who I did miss Saigon, was was right there when I did it, and she was just shocked at how dark it was. Um, but but yeah, it was it started from there, and that's that's really the the way we've done things really. And now it's about about eighty or ninety songs that we've that I've, I've written, and he's composed about thirty of them or some, something along those lines. Um, yeah, well, I yeah. remember when. Um, End of Days came out, and I heard your voice, and I was like, oh, that's such a Zane voice, and the, <laughs> the melody's perfect. I was like, but the lyrics are so, like, it's yeah, such a dark yeah. song for such a cheerful guy. Nah, well, like, I mean, to me, lyrics has always been a way to, to, to let things out. Um, I kind of had some mental health issues in the past, so as a kid, that was kind of my way of letting things out. Musically and musical theater was always the escape. Um, so with my lyrics, it's basically the the inner Zane that comes out, and um, the guy outside is the one that smiles and that interacts with everyone and is cool. I think, uh, <laughs> but but 
the lyrics is kind of just like the stuff that goes on in my head that I start to think about that I I feel like I should be saying, but I really don't say. Um, it's kind of like therapy, really. It's, it's um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's awesome that you have, like, such a good outlet for oh, those yeah. emotions because it's such a big thing in New Zealand with mental health, with mm. you guys and not expressing their emotions enough. So yeah, it's really yeah. cool you're actually not just expressing emotions, but then putting it out for the whole world to listen to? Yeah, I, I, I've always prided myself as a, as an open book, in a way. So mm. if you've got a question, i got the answer. It's, it, it, it's kind of what I've told myself for a long time. So, yeah. I hope so. Looking into the future, mm. if, um, what are some of these other projects that you're mentioning that are on the way? Oh, yeah. You're allowed um, to say. <laughs> uh, well, basically, as you know, because um, I've told you before, it's um, it's really just putting out these songs that I've already made um, that that have been composed and they've they've been written. They've been they're basically just collecting dust now, and uh, they they just need to go into studio and they need to be produced. Um, but I guess. I'll be looking at more opportunities and more things that I can do with myself, uh, collaborations. Um, at the moment, I've got it's two collaborations that are active. Um, one's with um, James Hunter. I think you've had him on your show as well. Uh, he's down in Wellington. He, so we're, we're both working on a song as well. And uh, that's an interesting experience because we're both in two different cities, but in one country. So it's... It's definitely fun working with him, though. He's, he's a really nice guy. Um, and um, another collaboration I'm doing is actually in Russia, quite far away. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I don't think it could get much further away, actually. Yeah, yeah he's, he's in Moscow. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, yeah, so he, he, he's over there, and we're, his name's Gold Murray. You can check him out as well. He's, he's, a very, um, he's a very unique rapper. And it's quite, his style is quite similar to mine in terms of how dark it can get. But at the same time, his, his melody is very upbeat. And we're, we're working on a song called Super Kisser. And that should be out soon, hopefully. Um, but with, with Finn and with myself, it's basically just, um, we've already got songs, just need to produce it. And um, hopefully the record label likes it and <laughs> takes it on and pushes it out. But yeah, so, do you have any shameless plugs for the theatre as well? Cough, cough, you're in town. Cough, cough. <laughs> well, a uh, shameless plug for you're in town would be um, it is a musical and <laughs> out in Oriwa in Center Stage that um, oh, myself and Patrick are doing. Uh, he is playing McQueen and he won't tell that on air because he's a very humble young man and he he's going to kill it. And I am playing Senator Phipp, a very pervy, corrupt politician that um, I am going to try to exude and put it on stage. And um, I think we're performing on the 31st of October till the 14th of November. Right off the top Hopefully. Of- yeah, nah, 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 it's good. It, it'll happen. It'll happen. So do you have any inspiration for your pervy, corrupt politician in mind? Oh, inspiration. Well, uh... <laughs> any... <laughs> Orange-coloured, blonde-haired American. <laughs> um, anyway, though, um, just a little bit. Moving even more into the future, what are some aspirations and goals you have for these final, you know, looking five, ten years into the future? 
Oh, uh, well, I mean, for me, is that I, I, I basically plan my life five years ahead. Um, that's something that I'm notorious for. And I think it's something that a lot of people find very annoying about me is that it just, it's a plan that I just have to have to make work and become a reality. So for me right now, it's just finish these songs, put out the EP, which is basically just titled Zay Nathan, but put that out and see if it, if it picks up. And from there, it's basically just keep making more songs, see if I can maybe get some more recognition worldwide, uh, internationally, maybe from higher ups like Sony and Warner and Universal and companies like that that might see a future in the young guy that just says, oh, okay, he's, I see what you're getting at, but maybe you can do it like this. You know, just just a little nudge that, that they can push me even further. But obviously, like, I mean, I would love to play at a festival or a major international gig someday. But 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 that that's definitely 10 years ahead and hopefully five, who knows. But but yeah, that's that's the plan, hopefully. So I'm going to ask the famous kick-up question before yeah. Emma has a go at me for not asking it. If you were to, to tell your 16-year-old self, what would you tell them? You know, there's so many things that I'd tell him. You know, he's the age the, the age group of mine that I've been most annoyed with. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say don't take things too seriously. Uh, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't don't doubt yourself. Don't, don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, you can be better because you already are. And because you're you. And I know that's a cliche line to say, but at the same time, it's, it's something that I think people need to hear is that there, there is only one you. And it's something that I wish 16-year-old me knew. And he, nice. Yeah. A beautiful place to leave it, Zane. And great questions, oh. Patrick. That was a really good interview. Um, <laughs> Zane, I had the pleasure of, you know, watching you from the wings every night be the engineer and Miss Saigon. Yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> just so awesome to see... Um, you've grown up, you're following your passions and your dreams, but you've got those life-term goals. Um, but, you know, good, honest answers too around mental health. Can I just finish by asking, that, you know, this is our second lockdown that we're in now, hence we're, we're doing this via Zoom, not mm. in the studio. How's that playing, do you think, on young people's mental health? Uh, honestly, I think it can be very difficult. Um, speaking for myself, this, this month has been pretty rough for me. Uh, in terms of having a death in the family as well as some wow. issues going on as well. And basically with, with that weighing on me is that usually what I'll do is I'll get together with the boys and just try to get it out some way to, to, to talk to people about it. But with, with lockdown, that's a bit difficult. Yeah. But, um, so I, I'd imagine it, it can get lonely, but I think as as a country, what we need to do is just keep checking in on each other, keep talking, keep doing Zoom calls, keep, um, you know, just in the first lockdown, Patrick suggested to me and our other mate, Sam, that we, we get on Zoom or Skype or something like that and just have a drink. It's little things like that that can really help mental issues in terms of young people, I'd say. Brilliant. Zane, Patrick, thanks so much. That was a great interview. No Thank problem. you. It's gonna be a party People crying but also people singing Folks praying but really laughing Hypocrites hide behind suits Criticizing the things I do 
Zane Nathan and I really liked that number. I messaged him after the interview and said, you know, keep sending them to us. I think he's done a great job and well done, Patrick. That was a great interview. Oh, well, it's been an interesting week and you're listening to this on Sunday, everybody. And Jacinda Deeves told us something a couple of days ago or she's going to be telling us something tomorrow. So fingers crossed that next week we, at least Stephen and I, are back live in the studio. Um, if not the whole show. Absolutely. And keep sending us your emails. We love getting them. We love to know what's happening. Or if you need to get an important notice out, 
um, about any changes to what you've got going on, email us at kickarts1 at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Have a fantastic week. We're going to go out with the song from Moana, You're Welcome, but a unique version with Jordan Fisher and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, have an awesome week and always remember to... Kick some out. Phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was me. I was messing around. I killed a snake. I buried its guts. Sprouted a tree. Now he got coconuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with Maui when he's on a breakaway. And the tapestry here in my skin is a map of the victories I win. Look where I've been. I make everything happen. Look at that mean mini Maui. Just tickety tap. And singing and scratch. And flipping and snap. And people are clapping. Hearing me rap. And bring the chorus back.